properties are cozy and snugged. We own many properties. Why is that important? Because that's one way how to make money. And that's one way how to feed your family. I love it. Good job. Hmm. Hello, hello, hello. Stephen Lee, Blackwall Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this uh, live transmission. Again, you guys are the best. This whole experience is just growing by unknown multiples. The synergy that's being created is is humbling, to be honest with you. It's very humbling. I want to thank um, everyone who's chipped in, been a part of this from the beginning till forever. We're all in it together. We're all putting those bricks up on that black wall, sharing each other's black print to make a stronger infrastructure and share and spread the knowledge and experiences that we have as black and brown investors in order to cultivate an incubation system that we all know we need in our community to grow financially. Today's episode, I'm going to be talking about my mindset as an investor, right? And I'm not saying my mindset is right. I'm just saying this is how I put 50 points up, right? This is how I do it in that mind frame, in this space, in my mind. When I step on the investment field, I'm trying to win, right? And the win for an investor is the money. Let's let's go ahead and, and dive right into it. It's cut the fucking bullshit. Let's just cut it out. I'm past two minutes. I say what I want. The goal, if you're stepping on the field in the space of being an investor, I don't care what class of investment you're in. Equities, bonds, real estate, crypto, uh, physical commodities, if you grow uh, produce, if you're a farmer, if you're a jewelry maker, it doesn't matter. Your end goal is making money or else you give your shit away. So unless you're giving your shit away, then your goal is to make money. And I hate when people try to soften the blow when they suck at making money by saying how much they don't like it or how much they don't need it, how much it's not important. That's bullshit. Okay. And I know for a fact it's bullshit because when you got more than they do, they feel some type of way when they're around you. So they that 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 can't be right. Because the people that truly have that lifestyle of not caring about the material stuff and all that, they're not out in the marketplace trying to make money. Right? They're just trying to survive and live a good life, and I commend them. But this ain't that. Right? And so with that being said, my mindset when I get on this investment field is to rack up this bread. I need motion. Right? I'm not short-sighted. I'm not impatient. I'm not jumping on fads. I want to make real money. Okay? I'm not the guy that's going to be selling you dresses in your beauty salon in the summer and then trying to shovel your snow in the winter. That's not my get down. 
right? My grandmother, great-grandmother, actually. So let me think about this. Yeah, my great-grandmother, God be pleased with her soul, one time had one of those huge water jug things of pennies. And she told me, handed me one of like a paper uh, thing full of those, uh, the things that you would put the pennies in to roll it. You, you know what I'm talking about? That old, that old people shit. And she said, oh, you can keep as many rolls of pennies as you can roll up. I might've been five, six years old, man. I knew better to roll my eyes. Right. Cause I would've got hurt, but we was in that apartment in Harlem. And I remember thinking to myself, lady, all right. And I think I might've rolled up two or three dollars worth of pennies. And I was done. I said, that's all I need. And she said, wait, you're not going to do no more. I said, no, I'm good. But I think, Later on, and it's got to be within kind of the same time period as a child, right? So call it three years. I remember I made my first $100 selling lemonade at the block party, right? So that's just always how I've been. Shit. I'm not about to bag up no goddamn pennies. I'll sit back and think of an idea and make my first 100 while I'm, I'm in early grade school. I couldn't have been more than second grade. I'm dead serious. I made a hundred over a hundred dollars selling lemonade in the eighties at a block party on Carlton Avenue. Okay, this is all verified with the PS twenty. Holler at your boy. Okay. Hello, hello, hello. So if that's always been my mindset, I'm just that type of person. I'm gonna get money regardless. The Lord has blessed me with that, and I thank him for that. But with that skill. You got to learn how to hone it and what to do with it. And that's what this transmission is about, y'all. We share on what to do with it, how to treat it, how to grow it, how to pass it on. That's our focus. So that focus has to have a vision and you have to have a vision. And what's your vision is, is crystallized and you built your team and you implemented your vision. Now you have to breathe your mindset into your team. You have to breathe your mindset into your corporation, to your company, to your, your work ethic, to everything around you. It's your job to breathe it into it, right? The vision is nothing more than the little inflatable Santa Claus before you plug it in, right? That's all it is. That's all your vision is. It's just on the ground. It has nothing until you implement Right. You implement the structure, you implement the regiment, the work ethic, all those things you implement and all those things come together and they become your mindset. So when I get on the investment floor, my mindset is make all the money. I don't want to rob half the bank. I want to rob the whole bank. That's the way I think about it. Right. So if I go into an idea or business venture, I say to myself, I'm not leaving. I'm trying to figure out how to take all the money out of it, right? If that means I got to partner up, if that means whatever, I want all of the opportunity in our control. Now, I'm not going to wait. That's my, that's how I get down on the floor, right? That's my mindset. So I'm in LA and I'm out. I think we're in North Hollywood. And I don't know why this story again has to do with Wally, right? So I'm, I'm out again with Wally. 
I guess shout out to Wally. Fuck it. Um, we family shit. So we out again and we're out with some guys he knows. And Wally is, like I said, he's social. So he knows guys and we're out at some club and there's some, uh, whatever. There's some basketball wives in the corner. There's, you know, I feel like we were all too old to be there, but I'm the youngest person there. I'm 30 and I felt like we was too old to be out clubbing on a, a Wednesday or some shit. But I'm the youngest person there, so whatever. Once again, don't let environment and your own uh, biases fuck up the jewels that can be dropped. So we out. We vibing. I'm looking at the surgeries. I'm looking at the standing against the wall. No one's really dancing. The music's playing. A couple retired basketball players around. You know the, the vibes. This is during L.A. basketball wives time. Whatever. I think well, 2010, 2009, 2010. Okay. Time stamped it. So we finished clubbing and we was time to go to the parking lot. And I don't remember who's driving, but I'm pretty sure we used Rachel's car, which is his sister, my son's mother. And we go to the parking lot and dude's got a fucking Ferrari, a gray Ferrari. We with him. He's part. We're with him at this point. Now, if he's got the Ferrari shit, I'm with him. Right. He's not with me. You could forget that. So I, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, oh, a, a Ferrari, not a Lamborghini, boys and girls. Let me let me go ahead and, and slow this down. A Lamborghini costs you 150 200 you could probably find a Lamborghini right now for 100 years you couldn't buy a Ferrari right now first of all unless you're on a list second of all you ain't coming out of no Ferrari for less than a quarter million dollars it's not happening it's just not happening and he had a, a nice one like it wasn't no base model and then so now when we get to the diner to go eat in North Hollywood I'm like yo man what what's up with this? Like, this is a beautiful car. Talk to me. He's like, yeah, this is my baby. You know, thank you. Whoop de whoop. So now I, when we sit down to eat French fries, I'm sitting next to him. You know, he was a chocolate brother, a little bit older. So in my mind, I'm trying to aspire to be you when I get your age, my brother. So you goddamn right. I'm sitting next to you. If we have an opportunity to sit down and break bread and have a 30 minute conversation with anyone we're, uh, Looking at right now, I want to talk to the guy that drives a Ferrari. Okay? Hello, hello, hello. Does anybody hear and register what the fuck I just said? If we are out in a social situation and I have the opportunity to strike up a conversation and sit next to somebody while I eat french fries, it's going to be the guy that drives a Ferrari or the lady that drives the Ferrari. Right? I'm not here for the for the bullshit about it. That doesn't make me a groupie. It doesn't make me a gold digger. It makes me a sponge for information. Because obviously, this black man is doing something right. Because he's driving around somebody's house. And it's a nice house, too. He's driving it. So I'm talking about the car because I like cars. So once again, you see this person. You see the opportunity to gain information. Now you have to make a com- uh, some form of common bond with them. 
right? So you can't talk about their money. You can't do that. You have, but you have to talk about something that's going to make them human and make you human to them. Guys love cars. I'm talking to you about the goddamn car, bro. That's why you bought it. And I said, wow. So I said something about Lamborghini. He stopped me. So let me tell you something. Lamborghini's a woman's car. So that's a toy, right? He said, they make those in automatic. He said, this is a Ferrari. This is a man's car. He said, now there's a button where you can drive it automatic, but you can drive it like a woman or you can drive it like a man. That's a little bit prejudiced and sexist, but I understood what he was saying. And I listened. I said, okay, all right. And he explained to me the price difference. And I said, okay, okay. Because he got offended. Like, yo, I'm driving three Lamborghinis right now. What are you talking about? I understand. I under, I, I'm corrected, sir. I'm sorry. You're not driving Lamborghini. You're driving Ferrari. And now I know why you didn't buy a Lamborghini. Because you want to let everybody know I'm real rich. Okay, cool. So what do you do? Right? No shame in my game. What do you do for a living? I was ready to hear anything from a record executive to I run uh, the, the Compton Crips to a uh, Wall Street executive, to I run a hedge fund in San Francisco. I had no clue what he was going to say, right? And he said, I'm a diamond dealer. I said, a what? He said, yeah, I import diamonds. Wait a goddamn minute. So now I really want to talk. Like, what's what, what do you mean you import diamonds? Right. So I did the, the, the ignorant shit that I hate people do to me. I start trying to ask him trip up questions to see if he means he's like the middleman. Like, you know, he brokers them for another jeweler and then kind of gets a commission or, you know, like what's what, what do you mean by your diamond dealer? And he broke it down. You know, he goes over to Antwerp and picks out the stones and imports the stones and then brings them over to the States and sells them to his clientele. Um, he's not a jeweler. He's a diamond dealer. So I guess he sells the diamonds to jewelers. So I was like, wow, holy shit. Never even thought of that. So this person has knowledge of international import export law. Uh, they're comfortable doing business with different cultures overseas. Um, they obviously has great taste, amazing clothes, nice jewelry, beautiful car. So he's acquired all of these skills throughout time. And then on top of it, He's independently moving in a space that is almost exclusively foreign, right? Whether it be Indian, Russian, um, Israeli, they're, they're, they're n- never African, right? The, the people involved in these diamond and, and gold trades, the people that are actually digging these commodities out of the ground are never on the back end where the money's made on the finished product. They're just, they're the grunts on the ground, and that's unfortunate. But that's what made his story so interesting, is that he's at the the place where he's the plug. He's supplying your jeweler diamonds. Wow. Black man. I wish I knew his name. But I wasn't, this is such a long time ago, I wasn't in the space of making a podcast and all. I would have him as a, as a, as a guest. I mean, that's extremely rare space. Okay. So he's talking to me about that. So now I'm, I'm, I'm really curious on his habits. I, I, I'm not necessarily wanting to get into the diamond brokership. I'm not looking for an internship with him because I'm a chef at this point, exclusively 
exclusively focused on cooking. I'm madly in love with cooking at this point. I couldn't, I couldn't, I loved cooking more than I loved being a, a family man. That's a shame. That's a fucking shame. But I'm being honest. I was so in love with the ego of being a chef in L.A. I was so in love with being a chef for Wolfgang Puck. I felt like the city was mine. And I traveled for work. And I was good looking. And I was feeling myself. And I was arrogant, egotistical. And I was not medicated. I didn't have any form of mental health protocol or accountability other than smoking weed. It's true. And it cost me my family. It did. So that's a cautionary tale of how you have to make sure your mental health is good also. So can't tell stories about being in Los Angeles without acknowledging that. Right? You pick up these jewels, but there's a lot of questions on, I just had a newborn baby, why am I out that late? Right? There's a lot of questions on some of my habits on where I'm picking up this information. But at least I retained in the information. So moving right along. So I'm soaking this knowledge up. And we order. And the food comes. And the french fries are a little old. It's three o'clock in the morning. They're not they're not piping hot. They're not fresh. And everybody else ordered something else, but he just ordered french fries. And he stopped, gets the waitress, hey, come here. He says, you got to take these back. She goes, why, what's wrong? He said, look at these, they're colder. You know, he's like, he points out the obvious, but he was, he, was, he was somewhere between nitpicking and pointing out the obvious. But the way of his physical appearance, it's like, man, you kind of being a little bit petty over these fries. That's kind of how everybody was. And I go, and he, he looked at me, and I think he felt the vibe. But he whispered to me and, and dropped a jewel. And he said, let me explain something to you. Whenever you spend your money, if you can't give them short money, don't let them give you short service or short product. He said, it doesn't matter how much it is. He said, that's not the point. He said, I came here and I ordered French fries. doesn't matter the time. They're open. It's on the menu. She said they had them. I wanted fresh, hot French fries. And I'm going to pay her with full fare, with real money. So I'm not getting a discount for these bad fries. So why should I accept them? That stuck with me. That stuck with me. That this man who obviously had more money than everybody at the table, possibly this whole establishment, still kept his standards high and his meticulous attention to detail over some fucking French fries at 3 o'clock in the morning after we had been out all night. That says something. That's in him, not on him. I picked that up. I picked that up. I said, damn, you gotta be, you gotta be on point at all times when it comes to this money. If you're gonna spend a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, fifty dollars, doesn't matter. You better be on point and accountable to yourself on what you got for it. Okay. All right. I can dig that. Registered. So then I'm asking them about the, you know, back to asking them about money and how you get into the diamonds and how you get money. And I'm, I'm trying to mine for information. And he goes, let me explain something to you. He goes, if you could see your money, you ain't got none. Oh, shit. I said, wait, what? He said, yeah, if you can see your money, you ain't got none. Mm. 
That's big boy talk right there. We'll talk that talk then. I'm listening. And he goes on to explain. If you got a bunch of cash sitting around, you're not moving the cash. You're not working the cash. You're not practicing capital velocity. First time I ever heard that term. So I say, what's capital velocity? He said, the rate in which you move your money. Right. Because if your money just sits in an account, inflation is natural, It's natural inflation. So last year, guys, inflation was somewhere between low end, call it nine percent, high end, call it 15 percent in 2022. So if you just had one hundred thousand dollars sitting in a closet, your purchasing power. A year later, went down, call it 10 percent. So that hundred thousand if you were able to buy $100,000 worth of, call it sugar, a year ago, now when you pull that money out the closet, you're only able to purchase $90,000 worth of sugar. The equivalent to anyway. Still would cost you 100000 but you'd get what's worth ninety a year ago. That's inflation. That's what it means. It means what we pay for today costs more than it cost yesterday or a year ago or three months ago. That's why you can't sit on money. You're losing money when you sit on money. Even if you just let it sit in your bank account. Your bank is not giving you 9 10% interest on the money that sits in your account. You're losing money. That's why they're in business because they take your deposits and invest it. The money that you're scared to hold, right, or do something with, work it, the bank takes it and works it for you and keeps the money that they make or lose. And if they lose too much money, then we bail them out as taxpayers. So it's a, it's a, it's a perfect scheme for them. But you're losing the purchasing power of that money every single day unless you move it. It's called capital velocity. Look it up. So I'm like, okay. And he goes, so you have to invest your money. He says, so he invests in diamonds, obviously, real estate, these things. And he says, every time I buy a house, I put up the money that I put into the house. But now that money's working for me. It's growing. It's cash flowing. It's it's appreciating. It's doing something. And it's doing something that is outpacing whatever the inflation is of the time. Right. So if inflation goes up 10 percent, I'm just going to raise rents next year for everyone's leases. It's pretty fucking simple. Right. Like for me, it's very, very simple. It costs more to live next year than it will last year. We all know that. Okay, cool. So you need to sign a new lease. That is what it is. Same thing with the store. If they go up on prices of chips or da-da-da-da-da, for me, I'm going to have to go up on it for you. That's just the nature of commerce, right? But at your job, if you need to work harder or they fire somebody, you need to pick up the slack or work more hours, nine times out of ten, you're not getting a bonus. You might get overtime, but that means you're going to, Take time away from your family. So it's not, you don't just get to pass that along, right? Well, it costs me more money to fill up my car, so I need more money to show up to work. It doesn't work like that. But in business, it does, right? So all you people out there who need that uh, cuddle blanket of the big uh, balance in your checking account or your savings account, right, and, and the high credit score with no assets, you're fucking up. Because the rules of this game that we play here say that at the end, we're going to tally up your assets versus your liabilities. 
your salary ain't an asset. It doesn't count. Sorry. Even if you made $500,000 a year, that's not an asset. It's just not. What'd you do with it? Purchasing assets and creating wealth and building wealth and moving money is an active job. It's not a passive job. Okay, if you're signing over your responsibility for your retirement or for your, your the movement of your money and the velocity of your money to someone else, don't get mad if they get it wrong, man. So don't say I didn't warn you because some shit is happening in the credit markets, in the commodities markets, in the geopolitical markets. I'm telling y'all, we have to get more involved, knowledgeable, and confident in managing and handling our own money. It's If you think about it for two seconds, it's an ass-backwards thought and system that you're smart enough to make the money, but not smart enough to grow it and manage it. That just does not make sense, and I challenge you to not make it make sense. By not doing that shit. When someone says make it make sense, no, just don't do it. It won't make it'll make perfect sense if I just stop. Perfect sense. That's how you make it make sense. Stop. Okay. Hello, is anyone listening? I hope so. I put up the bat signal. Shit is coming, y'all. Corporate dividends are down. Corporate earnings are down. Interest rates are up. Right? Work participation in the workforce is down. Population is not coming back to work for other people. Banks are feeling it. Crypto is crashing. Shit is getting real. Don't let the wool over your eyes stay. I said it. So now as we're here getting these checks and doing what we're doing, what are we investing in? And I want you to remember that. The next time you look at your account, and you got enough money to start an investment and pay your bills. What are you doing? In an investment, you can make an investment with $5,000. We've been through this. Come on now. $500, $1,000. You can invest. You can start something with that money. So if you've got that and, you, and you're sitting on it, literally sitting on it for the past three months, you've seen $5,000 in your account sit there. What the fuck are you doing? Because you're actually losing money. Like you're not being responsible. That's the funny thing. People are like, I've got, I've got $100,000 in my account. You're being irresponsible, buddy. Inflation. You're not, you don't truly understand the motion of money. Right? I don't know about you, but I had a 401k. Right? Last year, 2022, I lost 14% on my 20, on my 401k. 14%. I had money in there, man. 14%. So between 10% inflation, me losing 14% of my equities, fuck. Thank God I have a real estate portfolio. As soon as I took the money out of my wallet, it lost 10%. And then the money I had my stock lost 14%. So like, what are we, t- like, what are we talking about, y'all? So we're just not going to look at that shit? I'm the only one that had a 401k last year that that has a negative next to the yearly performance of last year. Okay. All right. Well, I'll just be the only one. Which I know is not true, right? So we we can go ahead and play that game. But I'm the only one who's going to talk about the writing on the wall here. If you're one of those investors who had a five-year arm and you got it 
what, call it 2020 during the pandemic. Oh, you're fucked. 2025 refinancing is first of all going to be damn near impossible because the credit is going to freeze. Trust me. Okay. And when it loosens up, it's going to barely loosen up like last time and you're going to be fucked. They're going to max out on those interest rates. If you don't have a 30 year fixed from this free money era, oh, you're in trouble. Because you've just been paying low interest rates, interest only on a 4% loan for these 10 houses that you got going that you don't really have infrastructure for. And you're carrying high credit card balances every month and paying them off. But what happens when that cycle stops? Credit cycle always has to stop. It's not a question. There's a lot of people going to be in trouble. And when everyone's trying to liquidate at once, it's going to crash the market. That's how it works. And then cash buyers come in, buy assets at the prices they want to pay. That's why I'm not buying anything this year. I'm not buying anything this year unless it's raw land. I want some acres, but that's it. Everything else, no, I'll let you guys, I'll let the pain start. I don't have any mortgages. I'll let you guys figure that shit out. I want to see the real pain. Then I'll, I'll jump back in. I'm buying companies, IP, technology, raw land, uh, farms. I'm thinking outside the box. Media, right? This is what I'm on. But, but getting in the, in the, in the, in the pit with you guys fighting, uh, with, with stuff that we know is, is overvalued, that we know does not make sense for the long term. But we're just on this hamster wheel. We can't pay our bills without getting another deal. We're addicted to another deal, another deal, another deal. A deal is not a deal unless it's a deal. A transaction is not a deal. I, I like people to think about that. It's only a deal if it's a deal, like it means it was good for you. Otherwise, it's just a transaction. So when you're thinking about building wealth, you're thinking about starting portfolio, wealth building, any of that shit that we talk about here. It's not a game. But you can't get in love with check chasing and you can't get in love with just seeing a lot of money in my bank account. Because the OG who, who, who I got bread said, if you can see your money, you ain't got none. That's real shit. It's real shit, man. So with that being said, you know, I want to thank you guys again. Joining us, Blackwall Podcast. It's just it's just a great experience. Shout out to all our international listeners. Shout out to all our listeners in the Northeast. Hope it's warming up for y'all. The South, you know, you know, we always in the building. West Coast. I see y'all tap in. The Midwest is always the sturdy provider. We love y'all. Appreciate it. And, um, you know, it's just been a, a great journey. We're going to keep it pushing. I want everyone, once again, check out the app, Silent Serenity, Apple App Store. It's a great experience. Unplug, reset, recharge. Get your life together. Get your mental together. You can only be as good as your mental health is, y'all. All the socials, BLK, Wall underscore podcast please follow us share us check us out we got motion baby and then anything else will be in the description of the bio and i just want to thank you guys prayers see you next time
Um, I think Daddy should make a lot of money so we can have more properties and make way more money than we're supposed to because I think making money means that we can that we can expand more of our properties and then we can make more money by having um, better properties.